0: Poppy has been around for over 12 months now, but what do we practically need to do to comply? This is Stuff Employers Should Know.
1: Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know, proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. It's Yasu Yaslak at Ismail, and unfortunately, Mr. BGD isn't in studio today. He's inundated, as usual, probably at the CCMA. I should check up on that. Anyway, moving along to today's episode, discussing the practical side of poppy. And in studio with me, I have poppy expert Samantha Walker and our esteemed colleague Chanel Spreeman. And I've actually got her surname correctly this time. In a recent webinar, I called her Chanel Spearman. I do apologize for that. So ladies, thank you so much for joining us in studio. And obviously, I'll let you show off your expertise on the topic.
2: Thank you so much, Yasser. As Yassa mentioned, thank you for joining us today. We're going to be discussing the practical sides of Poppy. And I have Chanel with me in studio. The last time we were here, you had also just written an article. And back we are here again.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's the best. You really get a chance to obviously get into the work and then you can have a good discussion about it. So yes, this is related to an article.
2: So the practical sides of poppy, I think that is probably one of the toughest lines to say, uh, especially Mm. sitting here as data experts and knowing the the complications around that. Now, what should we really be looking at with the practical sides Mm. of poppy?
1: The practical side of poppy pretty much relates to what it will look like in action. Um, I mean, being a new piece of legislation, we obviously really don't know what that looks like. Um, As we undertake our compliance, we're also dealing with different organizations and what that looks like for different organizations. So when we're looking at what the practical side of Poppy is, it's just really trying to break it down to see what it looks like live and, you know, in action.
2: Hundreds. I think one of the biggest things I keep hearing, and you've alluded to it in your article, is a lot of organizations think that Poppy is just a checklist, the act gives us a number of things to do, and then we have to do them. Mm. But how does the Act actually tell us what to do?
1: So the Act basically gives us uh, guidelines. So it's it's what they call um, framework-based legislation. Um, so there's no explicit direction to say that this is what you need to do to protect the information. Um, they more just give you li- guidelines and kind of objectives that you need to uh, put in place or aspire to, let's say.
2: So poppy is a very abstract mm. piece of legislation. It's it's often mistaken where it just tells us what to do. But in essence, we need to find the best routes and, and methodology to implement it. Mm-hmm. But now why is poppy so abstract?
1: Um, yeah, because it, it's, it's very framework based, a lot of guidelines, um, not a real explicit direction. But I think another thing that's led to you know poppy being seen as as being very abstract is because there was a lot of grace period with Rich to comply with. And I think it led to a lot of companies becoming relaxed. So yes, they don't really understand it. And then we go back to that checklist um, requirement that you mentioned. So with that grace period, I think they just became too relaxed. And um, I think also the information regulator, they're not really, they don't have much of a presence within... um, within the space. So we don't actually have direction from them either. So in that way, it also just comes a little bit abstract. Um, But I think just generally, I mean, the data protection field is very dynamic. Um, It's changing on a daily basis. And I think that just adds to, you know, the confusion and, you know, what's going on and and how to really implement um, everything.
2: Yeah. I think that's one of our biggest challenges is that Poppy is a new piece of legislation and Mm. it is evolving. Um, Mm. We're getting guidance notes from the information regulator, I know I'm personally excited when this gets to litigation stage so we can have clarification Mm. on certain grey areas. Now, you've spoken a lot about a framework-based legislation. Mm. What exactly is a framework-based legislation?
1: So, so framework based legislation would be legislation where there's no explicit direction in terms of what the specific entity or person um, should be, should be undertaking and doing. So, Poppy is uh, very framework based. I mean, it starts with the eight conditions. They just give you the eight conditions. These are the principles that you, you know, want um, the, the, the data subjects and responsible parties to comply with, but they don't necessarily tell you how to go about doing that. So, for example, with the um, consent, we know that we have to get consent, but then we would then take it upon ourselves and say, okay, look, the best way to get it is via an agreement, for example. So we take that uh, condition and then have to then interpret it for ourselves and then see what that looks like practically. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what your framework-based legislation is.
2: Now, why do we really have this, this framework-based legislation? Um, you know, we've discussed what it is. There is no defined goals. At no point does Poppy tell you you need a password policy we're obviously saying have a password policy because mm. that that will meet your your seventh condition in terms of your se- security requirements mm. but really what what are the implications of having this framework based legislation in poppy
1: mm. i think it, it definitely creates a a lot of confusion um because um there's no explicit direction again um and i think that being so new you would definitely want hard and fast concrete rules at least um, in the beginning and then you know practically see what they look like and see whether they work for you um so i think that that's the main issue with the, the, the whole framework that we don't know what to do with it we don't know what compliance really looks like and again with the information regulator having been so silent, we actually also don't know what, you know, they have in mind in terms of what audits could look like. Um, I'm, I'm I'm excited when you say that, you know, you want to see what happens in court. I think they will also get a lot of guidance. Um, so yeah, the framework has really been, it's, I think it's, it's nice that it's holistic and it can be, you know, interpreted for yourself. Um, but then, you know, it's two sides of of, of a coin. Where Now the other side is like, okay, so I can interpret it for myself, but how and where and, so yeah,
2: I think one of the biggest things I often get asked is why. Why did they build the legislation in such a way? Mm. Um, why couldn't they just tell us we've got a pass, we'd protect emails or things like mm. that? Would that not have been simpler? Mm. And the truth of the matter is no. But maybe you can take us through why framework-based legislation mm. is, is really necessary mm. here.
1: So I think when I was doing the work and, and, and doing the research, you just kind of accepted, okay, Poppy is very um, – framework-based legislation. But then when you actually look at the purpose of the act, it becomes clear that already from the onset, that was the intention of the legislature. And the reason it is framework-based is it allows for those uh, objectives to be to be fulfilled. Um, so obviously, the purpose of Poppy is to protect the right to privacy. So that's now a fundamental human right. Um, so that is now open to interpretation. You can um, we understand that the right needs to be protected, but we can't necessarily dictate how it looks different for for different people, different organizations, different levels of privacy that would be required um and then if we look at the other purpose of poppy, which I think is one of the most important, <clears throat> that being the 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 purpose of balancing the right to privacy now with other rights um so in that way already you can 't be too prescriptive when you 're trying to balance the right to privacy and um other rights because you don't want to impede too much on business functions. So there's a balancing involved. So in that sense, it it makes sense why we then have uh, very framework-based legislation.
2: I think specifically on on that point um, Mm. and and the balancing of the rights, Mm. I think that is fundamental to why Poppy is like it Mm. is. You know, we cannot have an absolute right to privacy. If we did that, companies wouldn't be able to have our personal information. Municipalities wouldn't be able to have it. It would cause disasters in many, many areas. And that's exactly why it has to be this principle-based legislation is because he has an objective Mm. to achieve, but how you achieve it in your environment, your industry, your organization, that's Mm. up to you. As long as we're getting to the end goals, Poppy doesn't mind so Mm -hmm. much how we get there. Obviously, at LaborNet, we we interpreted the poppy act, but we've also Mm. looked at international legislation. That's what I did when I sat down and I built the product
1: Mm.
2: because there's a lot of gray
1: Mm. and
2: I've looked at how they've interpreted it. And I think there's only more coming. I Mm. really, really do
1: in line with, I mean, as data protection is developing and technology is developing, it's just, yeah, we are still in the early stages. Yeah.
2: No, I think there's Mm. a a lot more that, that is going to change. Now, obviously Mm. there's a lot of these sort of um, examples that we could give the listeners about, what an objective or a principle-based legislation is. So I think mm. the one that always pops up for me is the security safeguards, as I mentioned. At mm. no point in the Act does it tell us what we must do. It just says we must try to prevent against loss or unauthorized access. Yeah. And really we have to interpret that. I'm mm. not sure if you want mm. to expand on that.
1: No, true. Um, so it's it's very. it gives a lot of definitions in terms of what security safeguards have to look like. Um, so the best way we've interpreted it to, to to I guess you know give effect to that is with policies, with internal policies, because you're going to have to look at what the act says and then tailor that for your organisation. Um, it also helps to make sure that you know we you or your organisation is growing well or, or going at the rate that it can in terms of how policies are going to be implemented and created. Um, so yeah, the best is just the internal policies that have to fit the organisation, but then ensure that you know we are. Um, Aligning with the act. Um, And then it also allows for that to fit in nicely into your business functions. Um, So it doesn't impede too much on your business functions. And obviously policies, that's the only way that we can hold employees liable to anything. Um, Once we expose them to a policy and they can comply with that policy, then they are in effect also complying with the act and the, the organization then is also complying
2: Yep, yeah, 100%. Mm. And I think uh, what you've just mentioned now is a perfect example. At no point does Poppy ask us to have policies. Mm. Mm. At no point. But in essence, Poppy is asking us to change our behavior in, mm. in relation to personal information. Mm. And we govern behavior in companies by policy. So that's mm. how we, we then get to the policy route. Mm. Mm. But with all of these very abstract ideas, does Poppy ever give us any concrete <laughs> provisions that we've got to apply with?
1: there there are definitely some concrete um, provisions that we do comply with or have to put in place Um, so the first thing I can always think of is registering an information officer so that's very explicit the act says that um, each organization does need an information officer and I think the um, information regulators definitely echoed that with the way that they have been facilitating the registration so in that way we can at least see that's you know what probably looks like in action and I actually got confirmation this morning that Mm. the information
2: regulators portal is now open again on the website
1: we no longer have to uh,
2: register manually we can actually go back and do it on that portal which is very,
1: very wow! Cool. Finally, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's now real practical. You can now see that in action. Um, also, so the idea of consent—just saying that you have to have the consent—is um, at least giving us some sort of a guideline. It, it's very explicit with regards to consent. I know at LabourNet we are advocates for consent um, because we very strictly stick to the definition that's within the Act. So at least we have that concrete provision to rely on. Um, and now recently with the PI manual as well, that's where we can also see Poppy. Well, P- Poppy would now be working in conjunction with. PIA. The information regulator has now taken over the function of, of enforcing PIA. Um, so at least with the PIA manual, we can see that that's now, you know, live and in action. And then um, the reporting of security breaches. The act is very explicit um, in terms of how security breaches should be dealt with, who should be notified. Um, so at least we get some concrete direction from there.
2: And I think Mm. we're going to see more and more on the reporting of security breaches. I know I personally woke up to five mails in my mailbox this morning of old clients of mine coming back asking for help with breaches. Mm. And the breaches are happening all over the place Mm. and from big organizations Mm. as well. So that's definitely one thing to keep in mind. If you do have a breach of personal information, you definitely have to report it. Mm. This is one space, as you've mentioned, that Poppy is quite clear about it. I want to go back to consent. So, yes, Hmm. consent is a concrete provision that we need consent in certain instances, but the act at no point tells you how to get consent, and I think that's another beautiful example of this is many of my clients will phone me and ask, no, but can't I just ask for consent on the phone? Of course you can. And Hmm. once that person says, yes, I consent, you have their consent. Hmm. Second issue crops up is when I year down the line – this person has reported you to the information regulator. Mm. How do you go about proving mm. it? That's why it's our best practice at LaborNet really to follow that consent um, and have it in writing, true, true, so that we can actually use it later on. A lot of true. what we're doing now. I feel, is preparing
1: for any investigations that do
2: come. And I think that's so important.
1: And Um, just on that idea of consent, um, when you're saying that, I'm thinking about how, yes, you have to have the consent, but you also need to record it. So um, with Poppy, you also can't read it in isolation. You can't read that specific section and read it only as it is and only try to enforce that. Um, So you have to, you know, then it just adds again to that whole kind of, um you know it's not just right there and then that's the only thing section five or whatever it is that you have to comply with you have to read it now within with other provisions as well and consider it holistically let me say 100 percent. Mm. you definitely mm. have to consider it holistically i think e- even with the policies i think back to
2: drafting many of our policies there's probably four or five conditions at play at once mm. in in one policy because it just makes business sense to deal with it all in that policy True. so i think uh another little part we can expand on here is we don't have to really follow the eight conditions. We don't have to have a policy for each eight condition. We will have a policy for a business function, like a backup policy that's informed by the conditions. And I think that's one thing um, everyone is really struggling with is what do you group together? What don't you group Mm. together? Do you have any advice on how they should group their policies, Mm. what they should look at?
1: Well, firstly, they should come to us (laughs) and we can help. Um, but I think when you when you're looking at putting your policies together it is important that you definitely ensure that you're not impeding too much on your um, on your business functions because another thing is that you want to have the policy that can be sustainable um, it must actually work for the organization you don't want to have to keep changing it and see exceptions coming up um, so my main thing would just be to ensure that it's definitely meeting your organization's needs um, but then still being in, in in line with the act which is I mean what we are here for um, and I mean policies can get updated as the information regulator also gives us more direction, these things can be updated. Um, but yeah, the best is just that balancing again. Let's ensure that your business functions are still um, there um, and you're, you're giving effect to, to to the act.
2: I think, yeah, mm. 100%. The only thing I could potentially add to that is I think we should be looking at two groups. Yeah, mm. uh, we, I know we've defined it here at LabourNet, we have our IT policies and our organizational policies. Mm. But I think it's important to. Ex- law because when protecting personal information often we are very very focused on the rt side Mm. we cannot forget our files in hard copy and how we protect that
1: there true true because we i mean we have a range of organizations small organizations big organizations somewhere it's just one person dealing with everything um so you definitely have to just basically track your information flow and really see how it's from when you get it Hard copy, um, soft copy. T- I mean, also just dis- dis- disposing of the information. Um, you know, even if it's in soft copy, that has to happen. You know, Hundred percent. Right yeah. Yeah.
2: There's actually all sorts of companies out there nowadays that will destroy your data for you. Hmm. Um, come and wipe hard drives, etc., and give you certificates. So, even if you don't have the skills in house, there is so much available for you to use currently True. in the market. <laughs> Um, I would just make sure that the suppliers you are using are also poppy compliant. <laughs> yes, definitely.
1: Definitely, yeah.
2: So we've chatted about the various areas now on the abstract versus framework-based application and really why it's beneficial Maybe, do you want to give us a summary? Mm. What should everyone be looking
1: out for? Yeah, look, I mean, Poppy is definitely in its infancy stage. Um, I'm, I'm glad that the information regulator seems to be coming to the party. Um, but I would I would say just, you know, make sure that you're managing, you know, your compliance. You're never going to reach an endpoint, point. Um, but make sure that you are managing it. You're keeping up to date with what the new um, regulations and all of that are. Um, but in general, in terms of what it practically looks like, I think we're just at the beginning. Um, it's our new normal. Um, So we'll just have to adopt. And then, you know, as things go on, we can start to see what it looks like practically. Um, And then when it's, you know, in action.
2: 100%. Mm. I think the the best bit of advice we can give is this is a continuous process. You are not going to tick a couple of check boxes on a tick list and be done. You will forever be working on Mm. your your data protection and your poppy compliance. And I think once everyone understands that, Mm. it's going to go a lot easier because it is this continuous exercise that we must do.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Well, that sums up a lot of policy implementation that you guys have spoken about. I'm very confused, so I'm definitely going to have Mm -hmm. a little session with the two of you to understand this a little bit further. Um, But thank you so much, Mm -hmm. ladies, for obviously your time and uh, giving us insight on Poppy and how to implement those policies and what obviously businesses need to be cognizant of um, to ensure compliance throughout their workforce.
2: Thank you so much for having us. Thank Always you. a pleasure. Yes.
0: And that sums up today's episode of Stuff Employers Should Know. Huge thanks to the Poppy team for coming out here and taking time out of their hectic schedules. If you need assistance from their side regarding the implementation of Poppy within your business or a better understanding of the practical side of Poppy, pop them an email it at poppyatlabournet.com. That is a lot of popping going down. I will leave their email down in the description below. Or if you want to get in touch with us, pop us an email at sesk at Let us know what you thought of today's episode. Let us know what you thought about previous episodes. Or let us know what sort of topics you want us to discuss in future episodes. From myself, Yasir, like an Esmail. Cheers and stay safe. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LaborNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should
1: Know, Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows.
2: Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.